Why do you feel like you have to put up a wall when you're performing? Because you need to be prepared for the negative response as well. I think if I perform in like straight spaces or spaces where I'm not their typical performer, I have to make sure that I'm guarded. I think it's again about what's commercial and what's seen as viable. And I think for a long time we've been used in the music industry, but we've never been seen. Every song I write will be a certain form of therapy to get me through a situation, whether that be to feel more confident, to get through a sad time. Every song to me is like a wound closure or something that needs addressing in myself. Some people will judge you, some people might not understand you. It's fine. There's someone out there who's going to love you. Being true to yourself and expressing yourself is important. Like you owe yourself that happiness. This is the official UK Black Pride Time Capsule podcast, a celebration of black and brown, queer joy and togetherness. In this limited edition series, we've literally bottled the essence of the UK Black Pride celebrations. Everything you're about to hear was recorded in the summer of 2022 and the audio files will be sealed underground at the Olympic Park as a powerful legacy for generations of our people to come. If you're young, black and queer and you're listening to my voice in the future, my name is Iwan Obinyan. Welcome home. What you know about skill, talent, figure, vim, you, her, them, him, that's In this episode of the UK Black Pride Time Capsule, I spent some time with rising star Keenan, an openly gay rapper from Cheltenham, to talk about his music, his experiences in the UK's music industry, and the importance of spaces like UK Black Pride for LGBTQ musicians and creatives. I was on your TikTok. Yeah. And... There was a shot of you in a Tesco Express uniform mm-hmm. and quitting your job. And I was like, did he quit his job? Is this a music video? So what What was that? Like, no, I, I, just, I just quit my job. You quit your job that day on that TikTok? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. but I'm still, I still work now. Yeah. But I graduated uni, so I got offered a job as a probation officer. Oh, nice. That's my nine to five. It's kind of Rick Ross story, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, because he was a... Correctional officer, I think. Is it? Yeah, Rick Ross. I like criminology. So I graduated and that's what I do now. And then Tesco is my side hustle for like six years. Mm. But mentally drained me. But I wrote all my songs at Tesco and like every song I have has always been wrote on a Tesco shift. Nice. What did you do at Tesco? Was it like on the tills that you wrote? I did just... supervising, self-service, security. Wow. All of it. That's amazing. Mm. That has to be the most glamorous exit of a job I think I've ever seen. They, the day I quit, 
I had um, Beyonce's launch party the day after, and I just got invited to go. So it was like just the, the contrast between yeah. the two is weird. Yeah, weird. But also it's the foundations of you as an artist in a way, mm-hmm. you know. How are you finding the probation work? Hmm. My dad's probation officer <laughs> no as well. Way. That's why. But I like it. It's just challenging. But like the job teaches you things about yourself. Mm. That's why I like it. I like a job that makes me think. So mm-hmm. when I meet all these different kinds of people, you learn how they react to things and what they need for help and what I might need for help in certain situations. And mm. it kind of just like teaches you that kind of way. Right, right. But obviously creative-wise, can't get any further. Yeah. So got to make sure I don't become too rigid and forget what I want to do yeah, properly. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel you. I feel you. So just to get us started, can you tell me who you are and how you're connected to UK Black Pride? My name is Keenan. I'm 23. I'm a rapper from Cheltenham. You may have seen me from TikTok recently blowing up and I'm making some waves. And you might have seen me at UK Black Pride this year performing. It was an amazing experience being on main stage next to Dre and Mac. It was absolutely incredible. First off, I just want to say thank you for such a brilliant performance at UK Thank Black Pride you. it was live at the biggest one that's the yeah. biggest ever UK Black Pride how are you feeling it's crazy because I was saying that I've never been to actual prides before anyway so this year when the Black Pride was the first time I kind of felt in my space I felt yeah. the day felt very homely mm. it felt like oh this is where I'm meant to be these are my people like it just felt right mm. and the whole day just felt just warm, especially yeah. at the end when everyone come together for the speech. It just felt, yeah, just correct. And obviously my performance was amazing. The crowd were like, the interaction was just what I wish for in a show. Yeah. Everyone's vibing, jumping. It was great. I loved it. Yeah. Have you ever had that reaction before in your career? I have, but it's harder to get. Mm. If I felt like I was understood and I felt I didn't have to have any... Like, when I'm performing, there's always a certain wall I put up. Mm. So I just felt very free. I could let myself go and do this, be myself. I didn't feel any, like, judgment or anything like that. So I think I enjoyed that. Why do you feel like you have to put up a wall when you're performing? Because you need to be prepared for the negative response as well. I think, obviously, performing is very vulnerable. So there's a certain point where I could be vulnerable, but I have to keep a guard up just so... If it goes negative, it goes the wrong way. I feel protected. Yeah. You know, especially in if I perform in like straight spaces or spaces where I'm not their typical performer, I have to make mm-hmm. sure that I'm guarded mm-hmm. when I'm performing. When I when I think about you as a performer, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, in a way you kind of trump the stereotype of a gay artist. Yeah. Like there's a certain view of a gay male artist and there's a certain view of a gay female artist the the yeah. gay female artists tend to be sort of very masculine and butch like a young ma mm-hmm. and then for the male gay artists they tend to be like very either very feminine or very sexualized like a yeah. little nas x you're not that stereotype yeah. right so then i think to myself if you were in a straight space unless you announced it how would they know that you were gay and then give you the negative reaction it's more so there have been examples where I've performed and I may have done a certain hand gesture or said a certain mm. metaphor and I can it's you can just sense the pullback it's crazy so I did a show in my hometown and 
have a song called Romeo Romeo, mm. but my songs before that wasn't really referencing much. I wasn't hiding it. I just I didn't feel the need to speak about it in the song context. When Romeo Romeo came on, the energy, the, the shift mm. was so different. Not from everyone. Yeah, so with me, unless the song's talking about it, you won't really know, but that's not from a sense of hiding. I just want to make sure my songs are relatable to everyone. I don't want it just to be for the gay community. I want it to look at me as as a role model, but mm. I don't want my music to just be for this. I want different ages and races to listen to and find something to identify with. Mm-hmm. So I just find it, I like to be as open as I can. How possible is it to make music that everyone can relate to without losing the essence of yourself? We all have different experiences, but all, it's very similar. So everyone's had, well, not everyone, but most people have had a heartbreak. So... It's, it's wording it in a way that it's your story, but you word it in a way that someone else can understand it. But when I listen to it, I know I know where that came from, mm-hmm. but someone could listen to another line I've wrote and think it takes them back to where they've come from. Mm-hmm. Same for when I talk about grief or if I talk about being confident or mental health. It's just making sure that you write so it does what it's intended for you and it, you put your emotion into it. Like emotion for me, like emotion can be in a melody, it could be in the structure of the song. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be the words you're saying. There's just certain ways how you can construct a song and feel the same like pit feeling you've got, and then it conveys to everyone. Like for 722, a song about my mum, that's a song I can't generalise. It's very specific, but still, I still try to write it in ways that if someone else lost a parent, they can listen to it and grieve in the same way. So that's what I'm trying to yeah. achieve. And I feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel it. I feel it in the music itself, and in your tone as yeah. a rapper, but also in the actual lyrics that you you state. So I definitely feel where you're coming from. We're going to talk a bit more about some of the lyrics which I've got here oh, in no. front of me. Mm-hmm. I'm known as obstacle to my ops. Tried to pull me down, but I block. Felt so hard, I felt my jaw locked. Then my leave hole punched like crocs. If I'm obstacle to my ops, best believe I'm on in the top. If you got a problem, then say, don't just throw cusses like rocks. When a man wanna be himself, then I don't wanna hear no chat about violence. Cause I came with a closet gay, but the hate came quick, and my friends stay silent. And I kept my colors cool. Now I like my things all vibrant. If they call me what, 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 but I'm gonna spray these man like hydrant. Have you run from sirens? In terms of you, let's go way back. Okay. So you're from Cheltenham, right? Yes. Okay. Talk to me about Cheltenham, because when I think about Cheltenham, it's mm-hmm. not a rap hotbed. No, right? not at all. And yet here we are with a hot fire MC um, mm. originating from Cheltenham. So what was Cheltenham like growing up? Cheltenham's very close. I think you grow up in a bubble. You don't realise there's anything outside of it. It's a struggle because obviously... Um, the area's majority white, no gay scene, but there's like not even a gay club there or anything like that. It's very, it's hard to be unique here. Even today, I can walk down the street in this outfit. Mm-hmm. Back home, it's stairs and daggers and why is he wearing that for? It's, it's very much, you stand out like a sore thumb. So I've always known I wanted to get out. So when I grew up, I grew up with all my musical influences. Like I used to listen to a lot of reggae growing up, listen to like, Ice Cube, Queen Latifah, LL Cool J. Very just, I have my musical influences, but in terms of like the outside world, you're very much in a vacuum, in a bubble. And yeah, it's hard when it comes to rap. 
when I tell people I'm from there, they don't get it. They're like, oh, well, you should have grew up in the hood and done this and that. But for me, it makes me different because I I've, didn't have any of that. But my music talent came from, I don't know where it came from. I've always, it's always just been there. But it makes me different. I don't need to have certain experiences. I have my own experiences. I'm not talking about the stuff other rappers talk about. Talk about me and what I've gone through. It's a tricky one, Cheltenham. It's a love-hate relationship with that town. Yeah. You said it's a predominantly white area. Yeah. How do you identify in terms of your ethnic origin and so, your background? So I'm mixed race. Okay. I'm half Kenyan, half British. But when you grow up in an area like that, mixed race doesn't exist too much. It's more you're white or you're black. And... You know, I had the normal like racism growing up. It wasn't it didn't affect me too much because I felt it's hard to explain. I was more focused on my music journey and trying to get out. But I when I reflect there were a lot of occasions where that was present. But it's better now. It's just in the early days. But yeah, I identify as mixed race. But as I've got older, I embrace like black as a as a like identify with because it's hard because you don't want to identify as black and feel like you're taken away from somebody else or feel like you can't fully identify because you're half white as well. And I don't want to neglect my mother and what she's like, she brought me into the world. So it's a very like tricky topic. So I always say mixed race to be safe, but I am black in the same respect and I love my community. I love where I come from, I love my ancestry. And my mother did too. My mother loved African culture. Like So I always felt like, even though my mum was white, we've always had like this black power, black influence all throughout growing up, so, yeah. yeah. Have you ever been to Kenya? Yeah, I've been to Kenya. Oh, amazing, what do you think? I love it. I, I've been to, so my sister's half Ghanaian, and so is my cousin and my auntie, so I've been to Ghana about six or seven times. I used to go, I used to go every six weeks holiday, we used to spend the whole summer. But Kenya, we went back because my dad wanted to, after my mum passed away, he wanted to take me back. I was feeling very low, and I didn't think I, I could ever get out of my situation he took me back to where he came from and his small ancestral home and he has about like 30 odd siblings because my granddad had three wives so it's such a small house and I watched I saw where they all grew up in small space and how he come from that to come into the UK and building a whole other life so it just gave me a perspective it humbled me going to like the village where he grew up and but I love Africa Africa just feels so at home for me and yeah. I feel like it's just such a different energy it's peaceful and regardless what the media try and portray it like mm-hmm. I just feel like yeah it's my home I love it yeah yeah coming back to your music how would you define your style I'll describe it I'm a very emotional person mm-hmm. with my mind I'm always thinking and feeling things and songs are therapy to me every song I write will be a certain form of therapy to get me through a situation whether that be to feel more confident to get through a sad time to whatever every song to me is like a, is a, like a wound closure or something that needs addressing in myself I like talking about deep issues but putting it over a playful beat yeah so there's a deep message like country boy mm. it's actually quite a sad song for me it's very sad but you would never know that mm-hmm. it makes you jump and feel hype but for me it's a very sad song it's a, that's been like a like a, a decade worth of like struggle of being where I am so it's just yeah spinning it call me anti-social and I won't complain that's facts been played like I paid my tax raised in greens so and it came like stacks some call me a farmer so I made my mark like tracks heard the horses calling said nay then I roll right back I did things when I had no choice born and raised I'm a country boy 
from a small town with no toys But I still make it roll like voice Oi, oi, come on here, I'm a country boy Let the big man make their noise While I just send a mighty voice Came hard on the TikTok So you milli milli views with a cold watch So talking about Obstacle, so yeah. one of my favourite lines from Obstacle is, when I came out, I gave chest, number one. Mm. And then true enough, because in the earliest music I found from you, which was 2017's Dunno, literally from note one, yeah. you say, whoever said that a gay boy can't spit bars, not once, but twice, just to yeah. make sure that we understand. Parts like Ali, nobody but. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just That's to make just sure. <laughs> right? Oh, God. So, like, that level of confidence and openness in, like, rap, grime, however you want to yeah. define it genre-wise, pre-Little Nas X. This is 2017. Yeah. I think that's really important for people to know, is this is pre-Little Nas X, right? Mm-hmm. Was pretty much unheard of. Yeah. So then my question is, where does that sort of fearlessness and confidence come from? You touched on so many things there. For me, it was more... I got to a point where it's more like hunger. Mm. I really wanted to get out of where I was and still am to some extent. At that point, only my town was my audience. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about the wider scale at that time. That was more like my announcement to my area, people that listened to me. This is what I'm going with. Because at that point, I was doing um, freestyles from like 2013 to 2016, just little random Facebook ones. And they started getting more and more views, like one got 20K, so I was like, okay, people are liking. That's why I went the whole professional studio and video route. That's the standard we're going with. Yeah. And if I can start at that level, be open, then can't really go wrong, mm. really. But it was a very long time ago. It is. And people, I, I haven't got a thing about being the first. It doesn't really bother me. Mm-hmm. But when I saw like the Lil Nas thing and everything like that, I was like, hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But it's, it is what it is. I mean, he's opened his own doors. But I... I I'm happy in myself that I know I didn't need that push yeah. or like I didn't need a media push to know that I was okay to talk about those kind of things. Yeah. That's what I'm doing anyway. Yeah. So I think it needs to be archived. Well, that's why I brought it up because I think it's important. This is a time capsule. Yeah. It's a time capsule podcast. It's a statement to us now, yes, but it's also a statement to future generations who mm-hmm. aren't even born yet yeah. to say this is how we lived this is how we wrote, is how we loved, how we celebrated, mm-hmm. how we struggled, right? I love that. And I think that this is a statement of saying that pre-Little Nas X, and I'm going to say it again, mm. you were already saying from note one in yeah. 2017, <laughs> whoever said that a gay boy can't rap, can't mm. spit bars. Sorry, can't spit let me not, bars. Let me not get it wrong. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I want that archived forever so that when someone's coming up in 10 years' time, they're not going, oh, yeah, I was the first or whatever. It's like, no. Mm. There's a guy called Keenan from Cheltenham. <laughs> who was living openly and boldly from day one. Because that's not easy to do on Mm. top of the predominantly white neighbourhood and all of the other stuff, you know. So I feel like that needs to be acknowledged. In the same song, Obstacle, Mm -hmm. which I'm ever so slightly obsessed with, um, it says, I came out the closet gay, but the hate came quick and my friend stayed silent. I really felt that lyric. It hit me hard. I've experienced it with friends and family. And for me, it was pretty, pretty devastating. And it's a type of betrayal. It's a silent betrayal. Do you know what I mean? Would you say that you've healed from those wounds? Mm, So my coming out story wasn't my choice. Very weird one. I was having a conversation in my local McDonald's in Cheltenham, as you do when you're like 13. (laughs) 
and I was talking to a friend about because at the time I had a girlfriend which I thought I liked but mm. it was more of a like a best friend but I didn't I was so young I didn't realize the difference feelings wise mm. so that and a boy come onto the scene all that kind of stuff but yeah someone overheard my conversation and in that town at that time I'm not popular but everyone just knew who I was so one it was one Facebook status and then it got shared everywhere before I even got home so when I got home that day everyone was sat waiting for me to walk in the door including family members that don't even live with us they've traveled to that house for that reason then it's got around everywhere and I had to address that and I slept on a bench that night in a park because oh, not my mother but some I have family members that are very aggressive and nasty and not very open and not in my life anymore but they didn't want me there and oh, my dad's not on social media so he wouldn't have known and obviously I knew the African background I thought it's gonna be 10 times worse if my white side have reacted this way so I just just stayed away and I just stayed on a bench reflected and then he found me and my dad was extremely accepting and open with it like I was not expecting it at all and my mum's side of the family it wasn't her fault she's just trapped she's like I don't go too much of my, my personal business but she's uh she was trapped in a very toxic thing of her family so yeah it wasn't my choice and I've definitely healed from it it's just learning that from a young age that something I can't change caused so much uproar yeah. and even in my town for, definitely for my age group I was known they were known as openly gay so I was the first one Definitely like a trailblazer moment for my area. So yeah, it was, uh, healed. Yeah, it just taught me. I, I'm I'm grateful that it happened the way it did because it, it shaped me now. It was just a very horrible time, mm. and then eventually, like a year later, I made it cool to be gay. Mm. I ended up getting prom king, nice. all that kind of stuff. So Congrats. it's just so it needed to happen for that moment. I think the way I owned it and I just took it in my stride. I think that's why. I don't hold too much from it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. toxic time. Yeah, yeah. Toxic yeah. time. I mean, those teen years are already just chaotic mm -hmm. <laughs> as it is yeah. without the added sort of grappling with sexuality and, and people being sort of violent in their attitudes and mm -hmm. silence, you know? Yeah. So I think being so open has both its positives and negatives. Obviously, one of the positives is that you get to be a role model to mm -hmm. people who don't see themselves reflected in music. But I think in facing the downsides of being public or visible as you are, mm -hmm. um, how do you protect yourself? Protecting yourself, you can't. You just need to know yourself and love yourself and appreciate yourself. And that's still something I'm still learning to do anyway. But I feel like I'm my own home. So wherever I am, whoever I'm with, whatever I end up in, I've got myself. I've got my, my body's my home. I feel like I'm fine. I'm, I'm cool. Everything else is just material or people that don't need to be there. So that's how I kind of have to mental, like, like remember it in my mind. Nice. I noticed when mm. you were doing the selfie with Lady Phil, yeah. um, you were like, oh, I'm, I'm going to put this filter on. Is it okay? And Lady Phil was like, God, why do we, you know what I mean? And then you were like, no, I, I kind of need to have the filter on. Mm -hmm. And then you spoke about the way you view yourself. And, and I just yeah. remember thinking, so from my perspective, 
you're just a very good looking Thank you. person. So I was a bit surprised to hear that. But I do understand the way the world works and stuff. And I do understand how that can be the case. So I'm not trying to invalidate or anything. No, it just surprised it me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, can you talk to me about that? Like filters, social media? Yeah, you know, it took me until about 13, 14 to not get ready in the dark. Mm. That's something I don't really speak about. I used to, so when I get ready for school, I can never have the curtains open or look in daylight. I don't want to see, I don't want to look at it. And I was kind of the coming outside as well. A lot of things, but visually, I just didn't like the way I looked. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of factors for that, really. Um, one, I know one thing is so silly. One thing was my hair. Like, in, and like in 2010s when Justin Bieber was popular mm-hmm. and everyone had like the flicky hair. Yeah. <laughs> I used to get the GHDs every morning to try and like straighten my hair and fit in with everyone else. And then it like by five minutes walking to school, my hair's curled, ringlets are back. And I, and I just, I used to always just pick faults with myself. They didn't need to be picked. So I used to not look in reflections or mirrors, didn't want to see. And if I did take a picture, it had to be with a filter on. And that's still what I have that now because... A part of me feels like I'm so I'm so perfectionist about everything when it comes to music and trying to make it and stuff. And visually, I don't want anything to be at fault. It's I've only just started to accept having someone take a picture of me and posting it. But I spoke to a lot of people and they have like similar issues. It's just like I'm still it's weird. I'm very confident in my like soul and performing and putting I'm very confident in that, but even something so simple as how you look and how I look is still something I struggle with. Regardless of how many people, someone could say, you look like Beyonce, you're the best person in the world. It's something I still need. I'm still learning. It's, it's a lot better than what it was. But yeah, even like a filter, it's just so simple. Yeah. It's interesting because like throughout this conversation, we've spoken about protecting yourself and, and authenticity and stuff like that. And I guess like hearing you speak now, I'm sort of getting, on the one hand, you're so open mm-hmm. and authentic in your music, right? Yeah. But then on the other hand, you are protecting yourself yeah. through the filters. You're saying you, you're not going to get to see mm. the realness of me. Yeah. Right. There's, there's like a fear there. There's a protecting yourself from people's criticism there. But then there's this. It's a beautiful human contradiction, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Really? You know? Yeah. Because music I'm in control of. Mm. I control every aspect, every word, every note. Before it gets to the fans, right? Yeah. yeah. I control it. And I feel like it's not coming from this it's coming mm. from inside of me mm. and inside of me I'm happy with I'm very happy with me as a person mm-hmm. but I'm still working on the visual presentation in this especially this industry is making me a lot more self-conscious I know I have to look a certain way mm. appear a certain way mm. dress weight mm-hmm. skin like it's I there's so many pressures especially mm. with social media I know if I want to make it as a as an artist I need to be perfect on social media and always look polished Mm. and I'm learning to move away from it because it's very toxic and I've spent a lot of time trying to be perfect in every single aspect but Mm. people don't want that anyway Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't want it Mm -hmm. so it's something that has affected me a lot and I think I've spent so so many of the years of my life trying to be an artist and making sure every single box is ticked so no one can say no to me I can Mm -hmm. make it Mm -hmm. I'm losing I'm losing like my essence and like I shouldn't let anything about my looks put a hurdle in front of me or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we all, yeah, we've all got battles to fight, right? Yeah, because it's it's yeah. it's hard, especially yeah. when this industry is very aesthetic. Very but I find even the gay scene is very aesthetic. Yeah. I've been told I'd be a really good artist if I looked better. 
you've been told that to your face. Because mm. I used to struggle with my weight and stuff, so it's just it's it's hard. And when I've come to London, as much as I love it, I've never been in the gay scene before, so I notice how people present. People like to be like slim and perfect body, and everything's perfect, and that's not me. Like and. I, like, I don't want to kill myself trying to look because I'm losing what I am as a person. I, I got myself to this point anyway, so why am I trying to look a certain way? Yeah. So it's, it's a very long journey. It's, I want, like, I emphasize for a lot of people that um, it takes time. I'm still learning it every day. The contribution of LGBTQ plus people to music cannot be underestimated. From blues legend Ma Rainey in the early 20th century to Freddie Mercury, David Bowie, Elton John, Rina Sawayama, Kwaye, Cat Burns, and too many to mention here. In 2022, Sam Smith and Kim Petras set an incredible record by becoming the first openly non-binary and transgender artists, respectively, to top the Billboard Hot 100 with their collaborative single, Unholy. So why, despite the many successes, do emerging queer artists, singers and songwriters still struggle to gain a foothold in the industry? I sat down with Saskia Menendez, a trans music manager, to discuss some of the reasons. My full name is Saskia Menendez. And what do you do, Saskia? Can you tell um, us? I do music management, artist development and music marketing. Can you just tell me how you identify in terms of gender and sexuality? I'm a trans woman mm-hmm. and I identify as bisexual. So talking about what you do in the music industry, how important is UK Black Pride to musicians in the LGBTQ plus community? Oh, it's extremely important. Also from being from a mixed heritage myself and my mum being African-American, my dad Mm -hmm. being Spanish and English, Mm -hmm. I think it's extremely vital to build allyship across communities. And I think Black Pride is a great place because um, for a long time, people from the black community have been disadvantaged and persecuted, just like the trans community has. Mm -hmm. And I think it's about um, representation as well as inspiration and changing perceptions and positivity. What are some of the troubles and struggles that are faced by LGBTQ plus people in the industry? Some of the barriers that I think the LGBT community face would be education and people understanding some of the struggles that we face and what we've had to go through as well as kind of um, persecution from other people and lack of understanding. I think it would be financial, it would be also kind of acceptance from family and community I think it's also about kind of respect from others, but also loving yourself and confidence. We're not on the same starting line. So UK Black Pride is seen as a protest. It's not just an event. Would you agree that UK Black Pride is protest? And then how do you bring that essence of protest into the work you do within the music industry? I certainly think it's about protest, yeah, because it's about standing out, it's about being heard, it's about being listened to and respected. Mm -hmm. And for far too long, people from the black community and the LGBT community have not been respected or treated equally or fairly. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a kind of way of saying, okay, we're here, Mm -hmm. uh, we're just as good as anyone else and we deserve to be seen and heard. I find it so hypocritical the fact that LGBTQ plus and black people have contributed so much to music, styles, genres, dances, the whole thing, rhythms, all of it, right? And yet are so disrespected. 
I mean, can you speak to that at all? I think it's, again, about what's commercial and what's seen as viable. And I think for a long time, we've been used in the music industry, but we've never been seen. And I think more so now, we've been given a voice. More and more people are starting to stand up and say, look, we've had enough of being treated this way. We don't deserve to be treated this way. And we deserve to be seen. We deserve to be uh, valued. And we deserve to kind of be respected for who we are and what we represent. Finish this sentence. In the future, I refuse to accept a world in which... In the future, I refuse to accept a world in which the black community or the LGBT community are disrespected, not heard and not seen, and they deserve to have be treated with respect and dignity. Love that. Thank you so much, Saskia. I really oh, appreciate you. you coming on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a brilliant day. I continued my conversation with Keenan and we spoke about the changes he wants to see in the industry and the LGBTQ plus rap community that has nurtured and supported him. Thinking about UK Black Pride now, obviously it's both celebration and it's protest. There's definitely a yeah. protest component to it. Um, do you see your music as a type of protest? <clears throat> I went, I've never thought of the word protest, but... To some respect, it is because, um, especially with my experience of gay rap and me trying to push into mainstream, mm. I've had a lot of no's, a lot of slam doors, a lot of. Oh, it's hard protest. You just feel like you, you have to keep saying the same things until someone lets you in. That's mm. how I feel with the industry right now. I feel like, as an artist, I'm exactly what a mainstream audience would need in all aspects of what I bring to the table. But every song I do and every interview and topic I cover, you have to keep saying the same things over and over again until it drills in their head or they accept it or they don't accept it. But it is definitely like a repeated protest. You're saying Mm -hmm. I'm here. Mm -hmm. And it it highlights all the issues that's wrong with it right now because I've been, my name has been spoken about in so many high rooms and places. So it's at the point now where you, I can't even blame the excuse of, are oh, no one seeing me. Mm-hmm. They are seeing me. Mm-hmm. They just don't want it right now. Mm. So every song at the moment, every project, like a repeated yeah. bang, bang, to yeah. try and make make them see what I'm. everyone else is seeing. Yeah. Really. And, that, and that's despite the little Nas X and the young M.A. Yeah, because you, UK is just wired completely differently. Yes. And in all, in all honesty, I don't know how I, I, how I would market myself if I was a big label. Mm-hmm. If, if I presented myself, I don't know if the UK would even have it right now. Mm-hmm. Certain groups and communities would have me, mm-hmm. but w- mainstream is that are they ready for someone mm-hmm. like me? Yeah. Even me, I'm not overly sexual or explicit. I'm not over the top in any way, shape, or form. Just myself, mm-hmm. and even that's still not. It's still like yeah. shaky ground of everyone industry wise. Why does it have to be the UK? It doesn't have to be the UK, but it's my. I feel like it's needed here. And when I was growing up, I know what I wanted to see. When I was watching all these award shows and stuff, I wasn't seeing it. So I want to be the person to put it there in terms of mainstream radio, performances, collaborations, fashion deals, all that kind of stuff. There's like, literally, at Black Pride, a little kid, like about eight, he thinks he's gay, but he's only young. He's like, oh, I would like, it's still early days, but he looks at me as like an inspiration. He said, oh, you're on stage, you're doing like, he's like a young child, and that would have been me. But I didn't have anyone to look at. 
So if I can make someone's, if I can open a door and make someone's journey easier, more like I, I'd love to do that. Yeah. So then, so then thinking about the music industry, what changes do you want to see in the UK music industry? Like even me coming to London. I well, I grew up thinking I was the only gay rapper mm-hmm. when I was younger. I thought this doesn't even exist. Coming here and seeing all like meeting a whole gay community, different rappers, different artists. I'm like, it's so prominent, yeah. but no one's listening or wanting to and when I go to all these shows people are engaging they feel it and all the messages I get and from the TikTok it's it's very much needed yeah. like when I went viral it had like 100,000 likes all these comments and people repost like people wanted it it was needed and it is needed that's like oh it just gets me very yeah. heated this shouldn't be an issue and if America can do it mm-hmm. and it, you can see the benefits of that it should be done here. I don't know why it's not. Mm. It's so bizarre to me that if you, if you can have Lil Nas and Saucy Santana and they're killing it at the moment, they're doing so well and America's loving it. And it, America at the moment, it's not perfect, but it just feels very much represented and here it's not. Who are some gay UK rappers that you really admire at the moment? So one of my best friends, Carter the Bandit. I love Carter the Bandit. Um, she's on Ooh La La on the EP. Mm-hmm. You have... King D, you have James Indigo, you have Carnage Kills, you have Mr. Strange. So there's so many and like when I first, I remember Carter was the first person that introduced me to like London gay scene. I've always said I'm always so thankful. That's why he's the only feature on the EP because Carter really helped me navigate London and know how to be in the right places and introduced me to this new world I've never seen because Enchanted no not only gay scene at all. So it opened my eyes to how much talent mm-hmm. there is and it's just like it, it got me even more frustrated because I, I thought I was battling for myself and I'm not Yeah, it's a whole group of people Yeah, it's not just me Yeah, that's why I get so passionate because it's yeah so when I achieve something it's a collective effort and I know I don't think I can hit the doors on my own I can hit one door down but it, it wouldn't stay it wouldn't stay open for long Yeah, so it's about opening a door and having a whole community come through, it just it just be so cool. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. So then, coming back to UK Black Pride, yeah. Obviously, the theme for twenty twenty two was power. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I want to ask, how do you define power? Power, kind of similar to what I was speaking about. Power is something that you have within yourself, mm-hmm. and I think it can take one person with power. Mm-hmm to light up a whole group of people mm-hmm. and do something important. It's like a fire and you can ignite everyone else around you. That was brilliant. Thank you so much, um, Keenan, for talking with me today mm. for the Time Capsule podcast, making time for us. Yeah, thank you for sharing your gift with the world and being so bold mm. and open. I, I think I've been very open today, mm. but when I talk openly I always feel like a nice release mm. from it and it's just like a weight off my shoulders again even though it's something I've dealt with it's just like a nice weight on my shoulders and yeah. thank you for having me it's yeah. been a pleasure likewise of course likewise thank you dedicated to all the LGBTQ plus musicians who beautifully create the soundtracks of our lives we see hear and thank you for your art Next week is our penultimate episode and the focus will be on the wider social and political work still to be done and how we and our allies can unite to create meaningful change for the future. You can find out more about UK Black Pride by visiting UK Black Pride. 
www.ai.org.uk and AI Studios by visiting AIAIstudios.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at AIAI.studios to find out more about the stories we tell and the amazing people we work with. Also, please rate and leave a review. It really helps us to reach more people. This was an AI Studios podcast in collaboration with UK Black Pride and proudly supported by Gay Times. The UK Black Pride Time Capsule podcast was recorded on location at the Olympic Park in Stratford with Audio Mango and at Glasshouse Studios in London. It was produced by me, Iwan Obinian. The production assistant was Ade Damola Bajomo. Development by Abby Hollick. Field recordings by Toby Adebajo. Theme music by Grown Girl Biscuits with lyrics and performance by Ade. A special thanks to the many volunteers who gave their time and energy to support us on the day. <laughs>